We are not men disguised as mere dogs. We are wolves disguised as men. tales that humans tell, do the hunters kill the wolves in the end. And now, our feature presentation. Welcome back to Mutual Aberration Society. I'm Ryan, and I'm back after a short uh, week off to talk about not one movie, but three movies. Yes, three movies. Um, That's part of the reason why I decided not to drop an episode last week after my episode with Fred Barrett, because, uh, you know, I was going to be talking about a series of films, but also simultaneously um, an episode that I'm a guest on, um, on another podcast, Agitator, uh, comes out at the same time as this one. Um, so if you want to hear me talk some more um, with Kelby and David over on their podcast, uh, check that out. Uh, we talk about the uh, new Netflix uh, adaptation of the video game Onimusha, which is executive directed by Takashi Miike. Um, so yeah, definitely go and listen to that um, either after this or before this. Whatever order uh, you choose to is completely on you. Uh, but yeah, I didn't really want to have a guest Uh, to talk about three different movies, because I kind of felt like, you know, that's a big ask, especially given the fact that, like, uh, I recently moved uh, to Columbus uh, from the Cincinnati area, so I had a lot of other shit going on simultaneously, and just trying to get someone to, you know, commit to watching three movies and then scheduling a time for us just seemed like, you know, a little bit much, and I had a a lot of things going on. Let's just say I had a lot of uh, plates spinning in the air, but, uh, we're here, uh, we're here to talk about, uh, the Cabarrus trilogy, and the Cabarrus trilogy is so fucking interesting, um, well, for one, it's a trilogy, so, as I've already stated, it's three movies, uh, but they're three very distinct, very different films, and, um, the, the best way for me to describe these movies is they are a alternative look at Japanese society if the events of World War II resulted in them continuing, uh, let's just say, down the path they were before America dropped two atomic bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, which, in hindsight, pretty fucked up. It's an atrocity. It's actually very uh, relevant, given that we are 
in a time of a literal genocide occurring in Palestine, specifically in Gaza. Um, I haven't really spoke much about that on the podcast because, I mean, obviously anyone that knows me knows how far on the uh, left of the political spectrum that I, uh, I don't know, that I reside and knows, you know, knows enough to know that, like, I'm not going to sit down and uh, pretend that a genocide isn't occurring. Um, so, obviously, my heart goes out to the people in Palestine and the people in Gaza and in the West Bank, for that matter, um, free Palestine. But, yeah, uh, the Red Spectacles is the first of the trilogy. Uh, it came out in 1987. It was written and directed by Mamoru Oshii. Now, Mamoru Oshii is known uh, most for Ghost in the Shell. That's his, his, probably his biggest claim to fame, at least in the, in the West. Um, I feel like Ghost in the Shell was a lot bigger here than it actually is in Japan. Um, but yeah, Mamoru Oshii is known for that. And The Red Spectacles was his first ever live action film that he directed. Again, he, he wrote and directed the Red Spectacles. Uh, now, what's very interesting about the Red Spectacles is the fact that it's pretty. Uh, it's a it's a it's like an art house movie. Um, it's actually uh, surreal and very much a black comedy. Um, it does a lot of things uh, that kind of just put it in a category of. I don't know, like, it's it's hard to, it's hard, because it's like, I, it's kind of like, the best way I could describe it is if, uh, Luc Godard's Alphaville meet, met, uh, uh, Sinjin Suzuki's Branded to Kill, like, that to me is a good sort of way to describe exactly what the Red Spectacles is, it's very, uh, expressionistic. It's very postmodern. Um, it's almost, it's almost like cinematic manga. And the reason I say that is because for one, it starts in color, but that ends, you know, fairly briefly after the opening. And then it becomes this like chromatic kind of like, uh, black and white, maybe a little sepia, uh, kind of cinematography for the rest of the movie. And there is moments of little hints of like color, specifically the color red that gets, you know, uh, added in the movie um, for sure. Um, and it's going to be interesting to try and um, talk about this movie, uh, which I'm going to first. But before I do that, um, I do want to talk about the other two movies a little bit um, in the trilogy to sort of set the stage for the whole episode. And how, and again, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I'm going to give it the uh, old college try. Uh, did I say the college, old college try? Yes, I did. Why? I have no fucking clue, but, you know. Yeah. Um, the second movie uh, is called Stray Dog, uh, Cabero's Panzer Cops, which comes out or came out, should I say, uh, in 1991. So about four years after uh, the release of the Red Spectacles, and it was 
also written and directed by Oshi, but uh, it's a very different different film and in, 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 in so much of the fact that like it's a prequel because uh, it takes place before the events of uh, the Red Spectacles. It's also uh, in color, um, but it's, it's also very much a slow burn. It, a lot, not a lot's happening. Um, of the three movies, this is the movie that uh, the least happens in. Uh, it takes. I feel like this movie is probably the movie that's probably least talked about. Even though I feel like uh, the Red Spectacles is probably also the least talked about as well. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's a. Both these first two movies, ironically, are the ones that don't really get talked about much at all. Or have that much uh, awareness, or uh, at, at least when it comes to any of Oshi's other work, I feel like uh, these two films are con- probably considered like kind of like lost in their own kind of way, um, and that's because, well, again, they're very they're they're very experimental in different ways. Uh, Oshi was definitely trying things in live action film. Uh, that, I don't know, just probably just isn't, and when I say probably, I, I, I mean, it isn't, there's no, there's no need to, to even qualify it with probably, uh, these movies aren't that accessible to sort of like the, probably the most people, and there I go again saying probably again, uh, to the average film goer, they're just not made, they're, they feel like Oshi. Uh, and this is probably explains why I find these movies appealing. They feel like Oshi had no regard for the audience and he was only following his own uh, muse or his own interest in making these movies. And he was trying things. Um, but yeah, then the third movie, which is the most known movie of this trilogy, uh, is called Jinro. The Wolf Brigade. Now, there's a lot of interesting aspects to this third film because, for one, um, it, it came again years later in 1999. Um, <laughs> significantly, because I mean, 91. That's a big. That's an eight-year gap between this and you know, Stray Dog. Uh, and it's also an anime. Uh, so the first two films, again, live-action movies. The third film, an anime. Which isn't off-brand for Oshi, obviously. He's known for his anime films, you know. Um, he's known for, obviously, Ghost of the Shell, uh, uh, Palatable, however you say that, <laughs> Palatable, uh, and uh, Angel Egg. You know, he's known for, for that. But what's what's uh, different about Jinro is that Oshi actually didn't direct Jinro. Oshi wrote the script... And he wrote the story, which he's credited for, and definitely had oversight and inf- and some say in how Jinro uh, ultimately uh, was made. But it's directed by uh, Hiroyuki Okiura, um, and it's the most it's the most uh, known of the three movies. It's it's definitely the highest rated of the three movies. Most people know. Uh, let me not say that most people don't let me just say most probably uh 
weeaboos, <laughs> weeaboos, how, you know, our, our, our most anime heads know about Jinro, probably have seen Jinro. Um, Jinro is, uh, of the three, the most popular. Um, but yeah, let me jump all the way back though, to the very first film and try and talk about, uh, this in some sort of coherent order make no promises though uh like i said i've had a lot going on yo it, it, shout out to all the people that do listen to mas for all of y'all y'all the real ones y'all the real heads y'all know i don't really do mas for any other reason other than because i want to um i'm, I'm about i'm about this shit um, this, in my opinion, MAS is the, uh, the best podcast that won't be on anyone's Spotify wrapped <laughs> as that came out, uh, recently. Um, uh, it's just, again, it's just one day, uh, this podcast will, uh, get its just due, but it's not really about that. It's never really been about that for me. Um, so yeah, shout out to all y'all who's actually been listening. If if y'all are listening to this in real time, y'all the real ones, you know. And if y'all are listening to this, you know, five years from now, ten years from now, shout out to y'all too. Because, uh, you know, but the real ones, they were here since day one. Um, but I welcome any and all listeners, new and old. But yeah, enough of my tangent about that. The Red Spectacles, 1987. I'll, I will read the synopsis and I will try my best to talk about this movie. Uh, that's going to be a challenge, but here we go. Summer 1995. With the arrival of the Age of Cats, the former Cabarro's police unit is now disbanded. However, one member remains, a stray dog who returns to his old roost after three years' exile. This wild dog no longer has a master, but now the young lady of fate will guide him on his journey. Okay. It's a very colorful, uh, colorful synopsis. Uh, yeah, I don't even know where to begin. This movie starts. Well, first of all, let me say that there's the main character in this movie is, uh, Kiyochi. Now, Kiyochi in the beginning of this movie, uh, we see him, and two of his uh, his comrades, uh, Midori, and I think uh, Sochihiro, uh, they are on the. They're running. They're fleeing. They're in a gunfight with a bunch of uh, guys who look like, or got a bunch of guys who are who are dressed like uh, the village people. Um, <laughs> um, they're in this gunfight, uh, and they're wearing uh, this cool uh, protect gear. Uh, this black armor with these uh, glowing, uh, with these face masks with the glowing red eyes. They're very, it's a very iconic uh, looking, uh, it's a very iconic looking suit that uh, the sort of uh, these panzer cops wear in, in all these movies. Uh, when you see it on screen, it's a very, again, it's just a very striking looking uh uh, this protect gear is so striking and cool looking. You can't help it. But ironically, not a lot of time is spent with these Panzer cops or these Cabarro's, uh unit 
like you only see them on screen in action uh, at the beginning and then sort of a little bit uh, at the end. Uh, and specifically just uh, Kiyochi himself in this in this protect gear. Uh, and that's similar in, in, in the other two films as well. Like, uh, even though I think the, uh, Jinro, you get the most uh, on-screen uh, action with the uh, protect gear in these uh, Cabarrus cops, right? Uh, yeah. But anyhow, um, the movie opens. You see the th- our three uh, characters fighting off these men. Um, and then the two, the two, uh, let's just say the two side characters or sidekicks to, uh, Kiyochi, uh, are injured and Kiyochi ends up having to like leave them behind. Um, but he promises he will return for them. Um, and he catches a helicopter and then that's sort of the opening of the movie. Then the movie becomes this. Uh, monochromatic kind of uh, again I described it as like cinematic manga it looks like a manga there's no color for real after this point um, and Kiyochi returns as this guy in, gla- in sunglasses and a trench coat carrying this briefcase uh, back to you know uh, return to Tokyo uh, to uh, fulfill his promise to his comrades that he left behind um, now, there's a whole lore behind uh, what the Panzer Cops are. I mean, what this Cabarrus unit was, why they got disbanded, why they've been outlawed, why they, be, they, they became a rogue unit when the government tried to shut them down. There's a whole, there's a whole, when you watch these movies, you'll get it. But none of that shit is important. I could break it down and I could go into detail, but I'm going to be real with you. I, I don't have any interest in doing that because this movie is just, it's a, it's an experience. The types of shit that you see happen in this movie, uh, and I'm going to spoil this movie, uh, but again, a thing about the movies that I talk about a lot are that I can tell you these twists and turns and you don't really, uh, you don't really need to have them, uh, told to you to enjoy the movie uh you don't need to not know them as well like uh it doesn't really matter uh the red spectacles is an experience uh and the fact that i reveal anything to you is actually probably going to help you going into this movie because this movie is very confusing because again like i said it's expressionistic right it's very uh i don't know like you have to what you're seeing on screen, there's a lot of ways you can interpret it, you know, um, because Kiyochi is encountering, uh, this, from what I can describe as a villain who looks very much like Kim (laughs) Jong-il, and, uh, he's like this totalitarian, uh, dictator-like figure, and he has all of his henchmen um, looking for Kyochi when he comes back uh, into town. I mean, when he returns to Tokyo um, from his, you know, long exile out of the country after the uh, Cabarrus unit had been disbanded and outlawed. 
uh, they so like when he literally touches down, there's people already looking for him. Um, and he gets captured. He gets attacked when he goes to this stay at a hotel by these guys. But like I said, I mentioned this is a very funny black comedy. Um, the way some of these fights happen um, are very it's very slapstick, very silly, very like things that are happening. There's a lot of breaking of the third wall in, in terms of like the the characters acknowledge fully that this is a fake story, that this is a movie being filmed. Um, and all of that is done on purpose by Oshi because what he's trying, or at least what I was able to surmise from this film is that a hero like Kiyochi is not real. He can exist. Therefore, this whole world is not real. And when I said I'm going to spoil this movie, um, this is the point where I will spoil it. Because once you get toward the end of this movie, what's revealed is that Kiyoshi, all of this that we see, all of this crazy shit that we're watching, um, is Kiyoshi having a, a dream as he's dying on the floor of this bathroom. Um, at least that's what I was uh, able to sort of... Uh, interpret from watching this movie um so you see a lot of interesting uh aspects uh that feel cartoonish or over the top and impossible a lot of repeating of uh certain scenarios like he'll get captured and get away but then he'll get captured again and get away uh you know the characters uh, in terms of his his comrades who he returns for, the Maduri character the uh, and so, uh, the Sochichiro, like how they're presented as idealized versions of themselves in certain scenes. And then in other scenes, they appear to be more uh, realistic versions where they're kind of like, uh, let's just say, completely uh, void of any fight. And completely uh, jaded by the world that they now live in and inhabit uh, after this whole banning of the Karabos police unit uh, occurred. Yeah, um, man, I'm not, I'm not really, uh, I'm not really sure how else to. As I take a sip of a Coke Zero, um, I'm not really sure how. How else to describe this movie to people other than to say that this is one of those movies where where you're, you're going to be fairly surprised. If you're into movies like, let's just say, uh, like I already said, uh, Branded to Kill or Tetsuo, Iron Man. Um, if you're into movies like that, you will probably enjoy the red spectacles a lot uh just on the level of like the sheer balls that it that like you could admire on that alone that it this is oshi's first attempt at making a live action movie and he and he just literally just does what he wants he doesn't you just get the sense that like this is a guy who's tackling this medium and he's just like, fuck the rules. There are no rules. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, uh, and he's right. There aren't. Um, and this movie is all the more interesting because of that approach that he takes. But yeah, I mean, I'm not going to waste too much time, uh, 
talking at length about the Red Spectacles because I really feel like if this was a guest episode, I probably would have just focused on the Red Spectacles, to be honest, because there's so many there's so many aspects in in ways that this movie can be interpreted. And I feel like it would have been very interesting to have someone else to talk to about to get their take on what they thought about certain moments. Like, what do you think it meant when, you know, uh, you know, they, uh, there's literally a suitcase full of red spectacles. Like, what did you get from that? I have my uh, ideas about what that may or may not represent. What do you think? Uh, so I was very close to doing that. Honestly, um, I was very close to just making this a red spectacles episode with a guest. Um, and who knows? I mean, MAS is kind of, uh, you know, a podcast where I just do whatever the fuck I want. So who knows? Maybe I will have a guest on and exclusively talk specifically about uh, this movie again, because why not? Again, why not? It's appropriate, like to do stuff that's not uh, done typically uh, in traditional podcast uh, is sort of, you know, what MAS is all about. It, it's the the ethos of, of the podcast. So, yeah, um, but enough about the Red Spectacles. Uh, let's move on to talk about it. The sequel, uh, Stray Dog, uh, Stray Dog, colon, Cabarrus, Panzer Cops. Now, again, Kiyoshi comes back four years later in 1991. And this time, uh, well, I'll just read the synopsis and we'll go from there. Okay, so Detective Kiyochi Tadome, head of the elite Cabrero's police squad, escapes after the unit is marked for destruction by the government. Three years later, Inui, a member of the squad, is released from prison with one goal, to find his, to find his former master. But the trail to Tadome is a twisted one, and when Inui finally finds Tadome, he realizes that instead of following his own path, Tadome was following the orders of another. I didn't get that at all uh, from watching this movie <laughs> about, uh, you know, uh, Kiyochi following the orders of another. Um, maybe this means that it bears another watching. Uh, I will say this. Uh, this movie is a lot more straightforward. The, the main character, this Inui character, is a Cabarrus cop, former uh, Cabarrus panzer cop. Uh, he's actually approached uh, to find uh, let's see. It's weird because it says Detective Kiyochi Tadome, right? Uh, and Kiyochi is not a detective. Uh, they're I'm thinking they're confusing. Uh, the detective character in Stray Dog, are with Kiyochi, who's the main character of. The Red Spectacles. Because Inui is approached by a detective. Uh, he's in another country. I believe I believe he's in Taiwan. Um, he's found in Taiwan because he's been on the... Basically, once once the Cabarrus cops, you know, were disbanded, he got, he got arrested, but they let him go on some sort of technicality and told him, you know, like, you know, you're free to go as long as you, you know, I guess 
don't don't be a Cabrero's cop anymore <laughs> or whatever. But they know about him. But he's approached by this detective to find uh, Kiyochi, who's or, or, he's somewhere else. Kiyochi, Kiyochi may be in Taiwan. He may be in another country. I'm not quite I'm not quite certain. Um, and again, it's not really the point. Um, all that's important is that Kiyochi is approached by this police policeman of this detective guy to go in um, or not Kiyochi Inui I'm sorry Inui is approached by this detective to find his old comrade Kiyochi who's again former head of the Cabrero's police squad who escaped um so Kiyochi sets out to do that um now nothing happens for the majority of this fucking movie uh this movie is a lot about like atmosphere um for real like there's a lot of there's it has a good it has i like the music in the movie i even like a lot of the the cinematography and the shots like there's a scene uh that gets replayed a couple of times where we see a bunch of the cabaros unit um standing in this very like dark dank corridor um, and the camera sort of like tracks along them and they're just stare they're just standing around with the glowing red eyes you know some of them in full gear some of them in partial gear smoking cigarettes looking like you know like some sort of weird like military Abercrombie and Fitch commercial <laughs> that's my I don't know why that came to mind but just the way it's staged it's very interesting it's very uh it's very stagey you know um there's a lot of moments where it's like it's it's a great movie to look at, but it's not a lot of shit happens. And basically, you know, um, he does find Kiyochi, and there's some comedic moments with Inui and Kiyochi, you know, where when they when he first comes across him, and then there's this girl character who he actually is uh, Inui finds because he knows that Kiyochi. Uh, was staying with this young girl who he's much older than but I guess he's dating and there becomes this weird love triangle between the three of them and then ultimately there's a shootout at the end um, and the shootout is pretty cool um, again we get to see uh, that protect gear the iconic black armor with the glowing red eyes uh, and, he's, and then it shows Inui you know shooting down these guys again dressed in these very Again, village people like outfits. That's the best way I can describe it. People like these. These they. It looks pretty funny. Like the henchmen, the guys that these that they have to shoot have no gear, just running around in weird seventies fashion or whatever, or eighties fashion. Um, so yeah, it's it, again it, it 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 culminates in this uh, very actually you know at moments emotionally poignant and violent uh, end. Uh, to the movie, uh, and it doesn't really, uh, yeah, it, it just kind of leaves you feeling like, I don't know, like, it's interesting, because this movie is about a future, or, or a past, let's just say that, a potential future, but a past that never was, oh, like I said, the results of this alternative universe, let's just say, uh, of the Cabarrus unit, uh, is you know when uh, World War Two, where like I guess uh, the Nazis won, right? Or the third, like Japan and Germany um, actually didn't get defeated, but then I think the 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 Nazis were disbanded, 
um, we don't get any sort of, uh, we don't get any, um, we don't get any sort of idea about the other countries outside of Japan and sort of the Asian countries that are, that are involved in this alternative history. Like we don't know other than like, I believe they do mention that like the Nazis were disbanded and the German, uh, government kind of took back over after the fact. Again, I don't know what that means. I don't know what, I don't know what Oshi's ultimate, uh, critique or criticism of sort of these types of, uh, I don't know if you want to call them uh, totalitarian or dictator led sort of uh, governments. I don't ultimately know what Oshi's trying to say. I mean, I have some ideas based on sort of like, you know, some of it is very clear. You know, he's definitely critical. Uh, it's just a weird, it's just a, for me, I'm still trying to process what I just watched. <laughs> I'm still trying to process, like, how do I talk about these three movies that are fucking so fucking different, but also, um, clearly comes from the same person, clearly comes from one, one mind, one singular mind that had a singular vision, um, but went about it in drastically different ways each time he returned to this world uh yeah i mean it's hard for me to 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 point people to stray dog first if anything i would say stray dog don't watch these movies in order you know um you should probably you should probably start with with the last movie uh because i feel like that's the most accessible um and it it it's it's a lot more straightforward in its storytelling um, and it does fill in a lot of the blanks so that you have a very uh, clear understanding of the world and what a Cabarrus, what this Cabarrus unit was and is. So when you watch, you know, the other two movies that came before it, it, prov it provides a lot of context um, that is just isn't there. But do not start with Stray Dog. OK, <laughs> definitely don't start with Stray Dog. Um, Stray Dog should be either watched in the middle like it was released or last, in my opinion. Um, again, a lot, a lot of stuff is happening in between the beginning and the end. Uh, but when stuff does happen, it's satisfying. Um, and it's a vibe. Um, some movies are a vibe. You know, I know I've been critical about vibe-based cinema. Um, I feel like vibes-based cinema is sort of um, a lot of what we get nowadays, in, uh, at least from the Hollywood system. Um, for better or for worse, mostly for worse. Um, but sometimes, you know, sometimes cinema is about a vibe. I mean, cinema is always about a vibe, but I feel like it's more about well, why you're making. It's about the vibe you're making, but also why you're making that, uh, why you're making the vibe. Man, I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, but it's who cares? It's a vibe. We're vibing right now. Um, no, uh, but yeah, that's, I mean, I don't really have, again, it's just interesting. This is, again, this is why uh, I really was hesitant to try and tackle three movies. Um, and I really was that close to just doing an episode about this first film. Uh, but you know what? I decided, fuck it. 
let's talk about all these in one in one fell swoop. And like I said, maybe maybe I'll return to each of these movies and devote uh, a whole episode to each one. Maybe maybe that'll be some shit I do on Patreon. I don't know, um, but yeah. On to the third movie, uh, the most accessible, again, the most popular. It's 1999's General the Wolf Brigade. Okay, so I will read the synopsis and uh, yeah, and I'll uh, break it down. My thoughts about the movie and uh, you know, you know what you know what I'm here for. A member of an elite paramilitary counterterrorism unit becomes traumatized after witnessing the suicide bombing of a young girl and is forced to undergo retraining. However, unbeknownst to him, he becomes a key player in a dispute between rival police divisions as he finds himself increasingly involved with the sister of the girl he saw die. Okay, that's a, that's a accurate uh, description of what the plot of Jinro, the Wolf Brigade, is. Um... What's clear about this movie, besides the fact that it's an animated movie as opposed to a live action movie like the other two, is the direction. Um, it's clear that uh, the direction of this isn't Oshi, and it makes all the difference in the world. Oshi playing the background, Oshi, you know, writing the script, Oshi sort of guiding the story but not being, you know, the one mainly helming it, uh, ultimately works to this movie's benefit and makes and probably makes makes it uh i don't know the most successful just in terms of like feeling fully realized like i feel like as a whole these this saga this trilogy feels fully realized as a whole but as singular movies um, I definitely can say that this is the only one that feels fully realized uh, in a way that Stray Dog definitely doesn't feel and that the Red Spectacles never even attempts to be <laughs> Red Spectacles never even attempts to be fully realized, if that makes sense. Um, what's interesting is there is a Korean remake of of this uh of Jinro, uh, directed by, uh, was it, uh, Kim Ji-woon, um, who I used to be the biggest, uh, Kim Ji-woon fan, uh, I love pretty much the majority of his movies, Bitter, A Bittersweet Love, I, I, I mean, he, he's probably, you know, known a lot for, uh, not Bittersweet Love, here, I mean, even though he should be known more for bittersweet love here, uh, he's actually not, um, un unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> uh, he's actually known for movies like The Good, The Bad, and The Weird. Um, he's, you know, he's definitely, he's definitely, Kim Ji-woon is definitely uh, known for I Saw the Devil, in uh, I feel like, oh, in the West a lot. I know that it flopped uh, in Korea, ironically, but over here, I feel like it was just one of those movies that like people just love. I love I Saw the Devil. Um, A Tale of Two Sisters uh, is another one that, you know, uh, 
he's known he's known for. Uh, he's just an interesting director, an interesting Korean director, and and actually uh, his version of Jinro, which I think is called uh, Il Lang, um, is pretty cool. It's the same story, and essentially uh, he's made some changes, but it's instead of it being in Japan, it's in Korea, which is an interesting. Uh, it changes a lot just by making it a Korean story. Um, it's very Korean in ways that the the Jinro is very Japanese. Um, but yeah, I thought about talking about. Uh, the Korean version of, of this movie, but I decided against it. I decided let's just focus primarily on Oshi's trilogy. Um, but for those who are interested, you could start there. Even you could go start. It's a it's 2018, uh, Elang, the Wolf Brigade, uh, directed by Kim Ji Woon. Uh, you can actually start there uh, and then go to the anime. Um, Again, I feel like it will provide more context, but I really don't. I feel like that's just a kind of outside, you know, adaptation. It's not part of the official trilogy um, of Oshis, so that's why I really didn't want to, uh, you know, focus on it. But I did want to mention it. Um, I did want to mention it. So, yeah, for sure, uh, that's definitely worth checking out. But Jinro is got this very interesting uh look to it uh i don't know like the way that it's animated the it has a very i don't i don't know how to describe the way it looks but it it's just aesthetically um it kind of feels it kind of feels like uh it's not like a lot of anime tends to have like exaggerated sort of uh, features, you know, um, the characters, the way they look the, like the, the, it's very it's stylish, but it's also very grounded. Like the way the Jinro's sort of the, the, the choice of the way that they uh, draw these characters in Jinro is just not at all flashy. Um, and that's to the movie's benefit. Like it's it's a very serious movie. It's an adult. That's the best way to describe it. This is a very adult anime, you know, as opposed to uh, you know, anime that's perceived as more like, you know, for young people. Like, no, no, no. Like Jinro is an adult anime. Um, and it's the way it tells the story, uh, in its tone, everything about it is just very aimed at an adult audience and, and and i respect it for that alone um and also just uh you it really does a good job of uh painting this world you know um this alternative universe you know of post-war japan um everything about it just Works. I mean, I feel like the the protect gear, uh, it still has that like spooky kind of, you know, the the glowing goggles and the menacing sort of uh, look uh, like like of the of the of the Cabarrus unit, but they, it looks different than it. Did. And actually, you know, it looks 
the way they look in in the anime is actually a little bit more uh I don't know, just less the way that the way the gear looks, the gear doesn't look as as armor as armored. Uh it looks more like a a suit. Uh weirdly enough and it's not like completely black either. Like I think it's like there's other colors in this like brown and it's like it's more it's more like a uh feels more like a military style uh the gear that they the protect gear is just more military style in Jinro the anime than in the live action. I actually feel like it looks cooler uh in the live action movies than it does in the anime. Uh just just from a pure just like look it the way that they look is just like, you know, badass in in real life in ways that in the anime it's a lot more uh toned down. But again, that toned downness is to the benefit of the overall movie and the overall aesthetic of the movie. Um, and yeah, like, as I mentioned, it's really about, you know, this member of this gen, this again, the, the Wolf Brigade actually is, uh, each movie is a prequel, you know, because the red spectacles is actually the most current of the three movies. So Jinro is actually in the, this is, takes place before the actual, uh, Cabarrus unit is actually banned and outlawed. Like, so like we're seeing what happened before that, like we're actually seeing, you know, um, this paramilitary counter-terrorist unit, uh, fighting, uh, with like, you know, rebels and like, um, then we see sort of like we get a glimpse at the the, the internal uh, divisions that exist within these different de police departments, uh, because, again, there is a very specialized specific unit that's there to deal with sort of these uprisings. And uh, and then you get to get a little bit of a glimpse of the politics of that and like why like the unit is being disbanded and like the power players. And then, of course, there's this whole uh this whole story of you know the the our our main character uh, i think is is his name kazuki um, i think it might be kazuki um where again he sees this young girl uh pretty much suicide bomb herself he has a chance to shoot her and he doesn't um and she blows up herself and nearly he survives the explosion but because of this, you know, this, this has an effect on him. This traumatizes him, gives him some sort of like PTSD, we believe, uh, as it, you know, as it should. Again, this is a very, it's a very s adult, I keep saying that because it is, it's very, the ma it's a mature handling of this uh, world uh, in a way, in ways that like, the first two previous live action movies weren't because again, like I mentioned the comedy and especially in, especially in the red spectacles, the red spectacles is an outright black comedy. Um, and there's the comedy that's in, uh, when, when there's actually something happening and it's not just the camera roving around like stray dog has moments where it's just like the camera's just roving around. Like that's it. It's like 
music is playing and the cameras just floating around, floating through the city, floating by people like uh, for minutes on on in. And it, like again, a lot of meditative uh, camera roving is is when. So when I describe Stray Dog as like not a lot's happening, I'm not being like. Uh, hyperbolic like there's not a lot fucking going on for the majority of this movie um uh but when it when there is moments of comedy it's legitimate like goofy silly slapsticky you know three stooges-esque kind of shit um and jinro has none of that jinro is dead serious um and yeah so again like that's why I point to this movie as the one to start with probably because it takes it it's really just full on trying to depict this world and what the sort of Cabarrus unit is and why they existed and why they're no longer uh, meant or not even meant they're just no longer viewed as useful in the and why the society specifically the people in charge the government um the powers that be uh fear this group and no longer want this group around um all of that is kind of really spelled out and plays out in a very uh interesting way and really, really provide you with a good primer uh, for the whole saga, the whole trilogy of Oshis. Uh, yeah, I hope this episode is good. Um, you know, keeping an episode about three movies under an hour is a goal of mine. Um, also, like, I really don't, you know, I, I, I really don't feel like uh play i really don't feel like talking these movies up any more than necessary uh because i do think uh these movies sort of speak for themselves like me just sort of introducing people who haven't heard of these films these uh which i'm assuming a lot a lot of you guys haven't because this is very niche shit this is very obscure. Uh, like I said, Jin Ro is is known, but the other two movies, I think like most people that have watched Jin Ro probably have no idea of the existence of the two movies that came before it. Well, primarily because they're not anime. You know what I'm saying? The type of people who watch anime probably don't want to watch, you know, uh, two live action movies that, you know, that these, that, that, that this movie is sort of the resolution uh, uh, in its own way, even though it's takes place the earliest of the three. Uh, so yeah, uh, go and watch all three of these movies. Um, if you want to see some interesting, uh, cool alternative Japanese universe, uh shit <laughs> yeah some cool japanese universe shit um man you would think i would get better at talking um into a mic uh but you know what i don't know uh yeah i feel like i'm i feel like uh 
this is a good place to put a button on this episode. Uh, uh, I, I, I do feel like um, I may return. I'm threatening this. I've been threatening this whole episode that I might in the in the future return to each of these movies, probably individually. Uh, because after talking about these three movies and trying to summarize these three movies and and uh, really, you know, uh, give the listeners a sense of what what this what these movies are, um, I do feel like I might have to have some people on to talk about each one of these at length, uh, one at one at a time to really do them justice, to really uh, uh, you know. For all my Oshi heads out there, you know, and, to, for, and for Oshi himself, uh, like he gives a fuck. <laughs> uh, but no, maybe he would appreciate people talking uh, about these movies more and, the, and, you know, devoting a little bit more time to the interesting aspects of each one. Um, so, yeah, uh, look out for that. It's, 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 there's a high possibility that, that uh, I will end up doing that. But yeah, um, for those who want to see these movies, um, I believe, I believe, uh, The Red Spectacles is on YouTube. Um, I know Jin Ro is on Tubi. Um, you can watch it there. And Stray Dog might be a little bit harder to track down, um, but it's the most boring. So, you know, only seek it out if you really, if you really, if you love, which I do. I really like, I really like uh, the Red Spectacles and I really like Jinro. So I'm partial to Stray Dog in a way that probably I realize other people wouldn't. Um, but if you want to see it after watching the Red Spectacles, Arjun Rowe, and again, watch those two before, or, you know, it doesn't matter what order you watch them in, honestly, uh, but start with those, um, if you still want to see it, um, it's out there, um, and if you're a patron subscriber, um, you know I got you, you know I got you, and if you're not, you know, uh, you can email me or whatever, message me, I'm on social media, and, you know, I, I can, I can hook you up, um, because this isn't about gatekeeping, cool shit it's about you know letting people see this weird obscure shit that i'm talking about um but yeah as always uh i do not know how to end podcasts so it's over yeah we're going flag shopping i pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, yeah, USA, we're going flag shopping for American flags, they're staring at our turbans, they're calling them rags, they're calling them towels, they're calling them diapers, they're more like crowns, let's strike them like vipers, I know why they mad, but why call us Arabs, we 
sad like they sad, but now we buy they flags Spying on our Muslim brother, while staring at our mother Lover, they some bad motherfuckers We're going flag shopping, we're going flag shopping The kids are throwing stones and we complain but they ain't stopping On your way to the top, and now they want you to stop Your mama pray to God, but your dad'll lose his job Your dad mad, cause he lost all clients Dad, why you crying? I thought that we had the spirit of the lion. He take it out on you, his belt big like Orion's. The NSA be spying. We're going American flag shopping. Red, white, blue on our crib. The neighbors threw rocks at the house. Uh, they making it harder to live. They want a shorter version. They want a nickname. They wanna Toby us like we Kunta Kinte. They want a shorter version. They want a nickname. They wanna Toby us like we Kunta Kinte. Federal agents tap my mobile phone and use drones to track my mobile home. The towers hit the planes. I guess it was written. But now they all looking at us different. They looking at us different. They looking at us different. Yo. Why they looking at this different? They waking up my friend at night for no reason. They promised them freedom, now we guilty for treason. The kids are leaving school. They're all misleading tools. And I was there, I saw the towers in the planes. And I'll never be the same, never ever be the same. I seen things that I never wanna see again. I heard things that I never wanna hear again And now we're going flag shopping Yeah We're going American flag shopping Red, white, blue on our crib The neighbors threw rocks at the house Uh, they making it harder to live They want a shorter version They want a nickname they wanna Toby us like we Kunta Kinte. They want a shorter version. They want a nickname. They wanna Toby us like we Kunta Kinte. We're going American flag shopping. Red, white, blue on our crib. The neighbors threw rocks at the house. Uh, they making it harder to live. They want a shorter version. They want a nickname. They want to Toby us like we Kunta Kinte. They want a shorter version. They want a nickname. They want to Toby us like we Kunta Kinte.